We live in an astonishingly beautiful place. What glory there is in an Isla sunset. What majesty there is in the pap standing tall and strong. What peace can be found by the quiet locks and streams. We're so fortunate to live where we do. I've been here three and a half years now, and I still find my breath taken away by the wonder of it all. But what we may not appreciate is that behind the great beauty, there is incredible intricacy and complexity. When we look up at the sky at night, we see the stars. But did you know that our sun is one star in a hundred thousand million stars that make up the Milky Way? And the Milky Way is one of a hundred thousand million galaxies in the universe. Every day, 275 million stars are born. And what about our eyes that take those stars in? Each of us have two eyes. Each eye has 130 million photoreceptor cells in it. Each photoreceptor cell is made up of 100 trillion atoms. And each one of those atoms was made in a star. This is the incredible, mind-boggling, glorious world that we live in. And when we really stop to think about it, we know deep down there is no way all of this could have happened by chance. Scientists have recently calculated that for that first chain of amino acids required to form the protein necessary for life to form at the beginning of the world and that to have happened by chance is as likely as 1 times 10 to the power 8,000. That is 10 followed by 8,000 zeros. It takes three sheets of paper to write it out. To win the lottery is a certainty compared to the chance of that first chain of proteins arriving by accident. Our world is simply far too precise to have been any sort of coincidence. So when we look at the beauty of Isla and the intricacy of our bodies, we know that we were made Made by a great designer, made by a God with a level of intelligence and imagination that is way beyond us all. Made by a God so majestic, so powerful that we can only bow before him. Yet here is a truth that is perhaps more startling than anything I've told you so far. This creator God, who is so big, so beyond us, wants to be known by us. Indeed, he wants to be involved in our daily lives. In the Bible, it tells us something important about creation. Let me read you a few words from Psalm 104. It says this. How many are your works, Lord, in wisdom... You made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. The Bible says that God made everything that exists by using 
his wisdom. But then as we go on in the Bible, we discover something extraordinary. God has made that same wisdom with which he created the world available to us. And that is why when you get to the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a person, a woman. It's the writer's way of telling us that God's wisdom can be known. It can be related to by ordinary human beings. It can be loved and allowed to have a great impact on our lives. Did you notice how the opening to our reading pictured this woman wisdom? There she was, taking her stand at the highest point of the city, where she could be seen by all. There she was, crying out aloud in the streets, where she could be heard by all. Verse 4 is very specific. To you, O people, I call out, I raise my voice to all humanity. This is the very good news that we have discovered throughout our series looking at the book of Proverbs. That God has made his wisdom freely available to us. It is accessible to human beings. The same wisdom that God created the world with is on offer to us all. All we need to do is reach out and grab it. All we need to do is read it and do it. What a wonder this is. What an incredible gift that we might know something of the mind of God and benefit from it ourselves. Now, Proverbs 8 is a great poem that, again, personifies God's creative wisdom as a woman. And it does this in the attempt to get us to see How wonderful it is that we can know God's wisdom and gain from it ourselves. There are three key points that I'd like to draw from this passage this evening. The first is this. God's wisdom is the designer's manual. God's operating instructions for his world. Think of a time when you've bought a new car or a new gadget. It's complicated, different to what you had before. You're a little bit uncertain where to begin when you come to use it for the first time. What do you do? You open the man. You read the instructions. You allow the designer and the manufacturer of the product to explain to you how they've made it to work. And that way you'll make the most from your purchase. You'll harness its full potential. And this passage is trying to teach us something very similar. God made everything that exists. He made the world. He made each and every one of us as human beings. He is our designer. He is our manufacturer. The Bible says he made us in his image. So we should go without saying then that it is God who knows best how human life works. And God has provided his wisdom to us as his people because he wants us to be able to make the very best of our lives, to achieve our full potential. If you look at the first part of this reading, verses 6 to 21, you will see that there's a long list of benefits that come from learning and following God's wisdom. 
God's wisdom leads us into all truth, verses 6 and 7. By growing in it, we'll be able to discern right and wrong. God's wisdom leads us into just patterns of behaviour, verses 8 and 9, which benefit us and our neighbours. The more we grow in wisdom, the fairer and kinder our communities become. God's wisdom leads us to goodness and will always challenge evil, verse 13. We'll stand up for the marginalised, challenge their oppressors. God's wisdom will lead to good leadership at all levels of society, verse 15 to 17. Be it a church, a workplace, a nation, we all stand or fall on the quality of our leaders. And oh, how we need wise leaders in the world at the moment. God's wisdom will lead us into prosperity, verses 18 to 21. That doesn't mean that life will instantly become easy or that we'll all suddenly become rich. But what it does mean is that we will make as much of a success of this life as we can. We'll become skilled at the art of living and realise the potential that God has invested in us. Do you see, God's wisdom will lead us to make the very most of life. God's wisdom, when it is followed, will lead us to live in such a way that it blesses our neighbours and enables the environment around us to flourish. God's wisdom works. And it works because it comes straight from the designer's manual. It is the operator's instructions laid out by the God who made the world. We would be foolish to try and use a complicated gadget without reading the instructions. If we did, we're unlikely to get it to its full potential. We'd be even more foolish to ignore God's instruction for his world and the human life he made within it. There's so much to gain if we live by God's wisdom and so much to lose if we don't. The second point to take away from this passage is that God's wisdom leads to order and security. I wonder how well you know the account of creation from Genesis 1. If you have a Bible with you, you might like to skip to it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But notice this, in the beginning, everything was very chaotic. Verse 2 of Genesis 1 tells us that it was as if there was a a mass of broiling water with a a brooding darkness over the surface of the deep. It's quite a foreboding, scary image. And the Bible sums it up with these words, In the beginning, the earth was formless and empty. And what then follows in Genesis chapter 1 is utterly beautiful. God takes this chaotic scene and he creates order. He literally takes that which was formless and gives it form. He takes that which was empty and fills it. For the first three days of the creation week, God created the structure. Day one, day and night. Day two, sea and sky. Day three, land and ocean. And then for the next three days, he fills that structure in the exact same order. On day four, he took the day and night and he filled it with the sun and the stars. On day five, he took the sea and the sky and he filled them with fish and birds. On day six, he took the land and filled it with animals and humans. God made the world in this perfectly ordered way. And it's recorded in the Bible in a way that's perfectly symmetrical to demonstrate this. 
And to the first readers of Genesis, this was incredibly good news. Their God had the power to bring order and control out of a time of absolute chaos. It's because he did it in the beginning that he could be trusted to do it again in the present, as their land lay in ruins at the hand of their enemies. And still today, as Christians, we should celebrate the God who brings order out of chaos. As Christians, we believe that he's going to do this again when Jesus returns and puts the whole world right. But we also believe that God is trying to restore order and beauty in our lives today as we wait. Now, why is this background important? Well, just look at the focus of the next set of verses in our reading. Verses 22 to 29. And these are the verses where we are specifically told that God created all things out of his wisdom. Let me read them again from verse 27. Wisdom was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and firmly secure, fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Do you notice the focus of these verses? All of these verses major on the fact that God used his wisdom to create order. To create security. In his wisdom, God put the heavens in place. In his wisdom, he marked out the horizon. In his wisdom, he fixed securely the fountains of the deep. In his wisdom, God gave the sea its boundary and prevented the waves from overstepping it. That's very good news for us living on an island. In his wisdom, God laid strong foundations for the earth. All of these verses are about God creating a sure and stable world. God created a world of order and precision, a world of structure and security, as well as it being utterly beautiful. And the reason that the world doesn't seem very ordered today is because human sin has ravaged it. We reinstated chaos back in to creation, but that was never God's intention. And now he's working to remove it again. Now, why is this important? Because it tells us that when we follow the creator's wisdom, it will bring order to our lives today. When we find ourselves in chaos, which we often do, don't we? Not knowing where we're going to turn or what we're going to do or what decision we're going to make. When we actively start trying to follow God's guidance and wisdom in the scriptures, we can be confident that it will bring a stability to our lives. And when we really stop to think about this, we will recognise that this teaching is true. Think for a moment about the wisest person you know. Someone who's been trying to live their life for the Lord a long time, they've been reading his word, they try to put it into practice. Think of that person. I almost guarantee you that the person you've just thought of is someone who's quite level-headed. Someone who doesn't have massive highs and lows. Their life has a stability to it. I think of my grandparents. I think of my friend Jim. 
These are people who stay calm in a crisis. They meet trials with hope and thanksgiving. They remain on an even keel, even when everybody else is being battered back and forth by the storm. When you live a life following God's wisdom, you discover a new order, a new stability, a new security to your life. You find a contentment and a peace that is long-lasting. Interestingly, you also start to bring that order and control to the groups and situations you spend your time in. You have a benefit on the wider community. And why is this the case? Because the wisdom that God is passing on to us in his word is the same wisdom with which he made the world. And he made the world to be an ordered and secure place. That's what this poem is trying so hard to tell us. So God's wisdom is the instruction manual for life. And God's wisdom leads to order and security. There is one final point to take away from this reading, and this is my favourite bit. In fact, verses 30 to 31 are some of my favourite verses in the whole of the Old Testament. Let me read them again. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in the human race. The third point I want us to take away is this. When God created the world, it filled him with delight. So when we follow his wisdom, we will come to know something of his joy for ourselves. Remember again that the whole of Proverbs 8 is poetry. It is describing wisdom as a woman. As God made the world out of his wisdom, this poem pictures woman wisdom being there when God did it. And what a time she had. I picture a little girl holding on to her father's hand while he makes her something. And she's exhilarated with every move that he makes. Oh look, oh look, a sheep. It's so woolly. Oh look, oh look, a kangaroo. Oh, it bounces. Oh look, a baboon. What a colourful bottom it has. A picture wisdom like a little girl skipping along, frolicking in the long grass, splashing in the streams, dancing in the sunlight. A picture wisdom laughing all the time as she does so. These beautiful verses picture God making the world almost as an act of play. And his final creation, human beings, bring him the most pleasure of all. God's wisdom led him to make something of great beauty and great joy. When he looked at the world, he saw it was very good. It brought him pleasure. And in this poem, wisdom is thrilled by creation. And you know, as Christians, we so often get this wrong. We think that God is pleased by somberness. We think that sobriety and solemnity are what God wants. And yes, God wants us to treat him with respect. He wants us to honour and fear his holiness. But we can do that without losing our sense of joy. And if you really start to try and follow the way of God's wisdom, 
you will find yourself on a way of exuberance and creativity and laughter and delight. Because God really did make us to enjoy him. And when we start living according to his plans for the world, we will enjoy the world that he has made. And at the same time, as we start to enjoy the world that he has made and live well, we bring more enjoyment to him. You know, if you're ever in doubt about the delight that God takes in his people, think of Jesus. He came to the world because God wanted to be near us. He died on the cross and rose again because God wants to be with us forevermore. God takes great pleasure from our company and wants us to take great pleasure from his. So if we give our lives to following God's wisdom as we find it in the Bible, we will find this deep level of joy deep within us. A joy that we never thought possible before. Following God's guidance in the Bible, it shouldn't be seen as taking our fun away. It is the path to lasting delight. That's what this poem is trying so hard to say. So God's wisdom is the instruction manual which we need to live our best life by. God's wisdom leads us into order and stability. God's wisdom leads us into delight. And these these things are true because the wisdom that we find in the Bible is the same wisdom with which God made the world. That's what this poem is saying. All that is left then is for us to hear how the poem ends. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. You know, there can only ever be one official instruction manual for a product. The one that the maker provides. And so too it is with God. Only God created this world. So the wisdom that we find in his word is the only instruction we need. If we take it in, we will benefit. If we ignore it, we will miss out. In fact, verse 36 says, if we reject God's wisdom, we harm ourselves. But after all that we've heard tonight, why would you want to? Why would you reject God's offer of wisdom? Why would you turn down life in all of its fullness? Why would you choose against order and security and joy? Let's make sure we're listening to the wisdom of God. Let's keep reading our Bibles, trying to model our lives on Jesus. Let's keep listening to the advice and the experience of believers who've gone before us, either in our church fellowship or by reading good books, listening to sermons. Let's keep prioritizing prayer and worship because these orientate us towards the creator God and living in awe of him. Let's make sure we love the creator 
over anything that's created. In these ways, we will grow in wisdom and we will experience the benefits that wisdom provides.